The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the revolting sewers of Scaro, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock. This is episode 330. We're still celebrating 10 years of Doctor Who Pachak. It's our 10th anniversary, and we've just stepped into our 11th year. So uh, once again, um, happy anniversary to us. And it's episode 330, and this is uh, another live show. We're back with live shows, and we're reviewing not one, not two, not three. Oh, actually, it is two. We are reviewing two episodes of Doctor Who Pachuk, the first two of the 2015 series, the 2015 year series, which is which is uh, series nine or season th- whatever number we're up for seasons now. But yes, so uh, the lo- the latest with um, Peter Bacall, Peter. Um, Capaldi. <laughs> Peter Capaldi and uh, Jenna Coleman. Um, so, um, and the two episodes that we are reviewing are The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar. So, um, again, those are the first two out of the gate for this year. The, the, the former of the two, or the, the latter of the two, rather, was premiered yesterday on Saturday, uh, September 26th on BBC. And today is Sunday, the 27th, and the former premiered the week before and before i forget this is lewis japani and now we'll introduce everyone else because i have a tendency to forget myself when i'm doing intros so joining us on this live show once again across the pond that we call the atlantic ocean is mr dave ac cooper very, very excited to be here lewis and uh, good to be here back doing another live show Yes, right. it's Dave's just coming off the heels of the Cultum Collective, another live show on TalkShoe, and they're reviewing uh, something, a little, a, little, a little unknown show called Doctor What or Doctor Why? No, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they just did their review of the, the latter that we're doing, the which is familiar. Um, but we'll talk more about that later. Also joining Dave... Though back on the other side of the pond here is 
um, well, we, we have a few people joining us on this side of the pond, joining me on, um, on, on this state side. First is Mr. Lee Shackelford. Hello, Lee. Hey, I'm here. Yes, you are. We were... Concerned. Yeah, and you can hear me this time, right? Okay. Yes, and well, you're not alone because I, when I um, first logged in, I was kind of muted myself, self mutilation. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, cross all my T's and dotted all my I's before signing on. That's that was my problem. But I, you know, every time we start these live series again, this seems to be the first show is always has a bit of bumps and just until we kind of sure. iron them out. But I'm glad to have you back with us. And uh, thanks very much. If you, my, he's my first live show ever in yeah. chat. No, haven't you? Well, as host, but you've joined us before right. on talk show yeah. in the past. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I've called into rave maniacally, but yes. <laughs> Which we always endure. Uh, not endure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Enjoy. That will go down in infamy. <laughs> he means endorse that the other thing. <laughs> that other thing. Adore. I meant adore. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of adore, I'm going to step out of one. <laughs> um, and I'll, uh, as I step out of a door, I'll let someone else step into the door. And this someone else is Mr. Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Welcome back to uh, the live series. You, you've, um, I think you've started with us with the live series. Uh, yes, I did. And Lee and I were talking earlier. You know, we're, this is another milestone he and I are celebrating together in the sense of this is our first live show as an actual host. And I, I know we're both glad to be here. And I'm glad you're both here. Okay, well, joining the rundown, we have once again... Um, Actually, we're glad to have him back because it's been a while. Taras Natishan is Taras is with us once again, and welcome, Taras. Hey. Hello. It's good to have you. Great to back. have you back. Yeah. And I'm seeing in text here um, a, a um, longtime listener and, and participant, Merlin McCauley, is here. Though he's using a I, I haven't didn't recognize his um, talk show um, nickname so. Supermoon. Oh, well, uh, it's it's fitting for tonight. Apropos, yes. yeah, apropos. Supermoon yeah. eclipse for um, tonight's supermoon eclipse, which unfortunately here where I am, it's well, it, it's been overcast. We got some sun just before, but we'll oh, well, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe the cloud, maybe Thank the sky you. might open up. Who knows? Who but yeah, knows? Mine, I that name again until twenty thirty three. So yeah, yeah. Oh, got a long wait. <laughs> okay, well, uh, speaking of waiting, we'll wait no more. We'll jump into our live review of this episode. Well, is there any crucial news that we need to cover? Any Anything anything important that kind of newsy that we need to speak well, of? Well, the BBC yeah. America station in uh, the States has been obviously doing the breakfast with Baker this past week. Okay, yes, where they're showing old Tom Baker's episodes. And, of course, it's been announced that Clara is leaving since you did your last uh, studio show. Yeah, big surprise there. <laughs> we didn't see that coming. No, I'm being facetious. Yeah. Um, I should say Jenna, of course, yeah. Clara. Yeah. Jenna's leaving. Well, we have to assume, well, we're assuming Clara's leaving as well. Unless <laughs> she regenerates. No, that's right. <laughs> well, Clara's in the whole timeline, so she's never leaving. Yeah, this is yep. true. 
is in the in the fiber. <laughs> and then but I did notice that they they timed that official release so that we could then see her exterminated. Yes. In her yeah. season opener, so yeah, I think that was a lovely bit of misdirection. Mm. Uh, you know, I didn't buy it for a second, but I but I think maybe a lot of people said, oh, well, maybe that's it then. <laughs> but, well, apparently not as many people because. Uh, the number of people watching live on BBC One has decreased quite a bit. Looks like a lot of people are probably time shifting. I think that's more really, than usual. I think that's really what it's about. I think more. I mean, as we advance in years and people are getting more tech savvy, I think people are are, are not, you know, are, are time shifting their viewing. Uh, also, wasn't there some sort of a big rugby? Yes, yeah, so there's a big rugby event, and also there was the the X Factor, which is a right. big draw here. And um, when there's a live event on TV, people tend to watch the live event simply because you do, all your friends spoil it if you don't, yes. yeah. and they would time shift. So we're expecting, actually, to have mammoth ratings on the iPlayer, uh, I would think, for this episode and the last. And just uh, by way of that, Today as well, as uh, Taris was reminding me just before we started recording, um, they were airing a the two-part story done as a single part. The omnibus today. version. They omnibus like, today, yeah. yeah. Cool. That was today. Okay, so, um, so yeah, that's good to note. Uh, there was also... Um, I don't know if this qualifies as news or not, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in our review because there was also uh, a few weeks ago they, they had released um, a prologue video for the, you know, for the start of the series. And that was, uh, you could, it's available on iTunes, but you could, at the time it was released via YouTube and you could view it that way. Oh, uh, one piece of news that I was very, 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 and one more very happy about was at Christmas, we have a spoiler alert uh, for Christmas with someone returning. And I think it's been around long enough uh, out there for us. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> so for anybody that wants to know, we will have the great uh, River Song back at Christmas. Yes. Happy Halloween. And Michelle Gomez, apparently, as well. So it may be Missy and River Song. Ah, nice little holiday well, gift. Or did I dream that? Was that it? Is it aren't Alex Kingston and Michelle Gomez both saying they're going to be in the Christmas special? Now imagine a, a scene with both of them. Yes. Okay, now stop imagining what you're imagining. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed I didn't have a little bit longer to shed a tear over Sarah Jane. No, not Sarah Jane. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, there was something I'm that sorry. was released in the blogs that was then uh, kind of like uh, yeah. glossed over as far as some stuff that's happening at Big Finish, stuff that wasn't supposed to be released got leaked. Oh, oh interesting. As far as uh, actors coming into Big Finish. And if we're doing this as a very rapid wrap-up uh, of news, um, mm -hmm. uh, there's still this uh, news, it seems to be confirmed, doesn't it, now, that we're not going to get a 90, 2016 series, uh, whether it's because Peter Capaldi is going to be doing some directing work 
uh, are whether other rumours are stating there's going to be a movie, which keeps resurfacing from now again. But um, there's, there's been an awful lot. I mean, it's, it's that sort of silly season just at the start, or just prior to the start of Series 9 starting. We know Stephen Moffat... Where was that uh, reported? Is this a rumour? It wasn't. It was Twitter mainly that was doing it, but um, yeah, but that's not official. Several, is it official? Nothing or? official, but because oh, but uh, in the are... BBC Worldwide Annual Review uh, that was reported back in July that uh, a tenth series was uh, commissioned. Yes, Stephen Moffat is definitely here for a tenth season. It's whether it will be delayed or not. I think. Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes peeled or ears opened and eyes peeled for that. So, um, in in text, just going um, in chat. I just so for those that are listening afterwards and might not be, might be confused when we say in text or in chat. We do have a live chat going on while we're recording the live show. So even if you didn't want to participate vocally by calling in, you could always always participate in our live chat that goes on during the show. And that's available via TalkShoe.com. That's where we host our live shows. Um, again, that's TalkShoe, not show, but TalkShoe.com. And um, so, uh, so yeah, so Merlin was um, indicating that there was two um, prologues that were available, one that was um, that's, that's uh, just under two minutes and one that's six minutes. So that's interesting to know. I'm try- I'm, I, I can't recall what iTunes had. If it's the longer or the shorter. There were two different things. There was a prequel and then the prologue. Yeah, see, I thought... The prologue, prologue, I believe, was... uh, Seems to be possibly a cut scene from the first episode, which was uh, the discussion between... Is the character Ohila and uh, the doctor Mm -hmm. on Karn? So it seems to be from inside the episode, the uh, prequel was actually right before what we see in the episode. Yeah. And it, it, it is actually, it does make a difference if you have watched it, because it makes what happens to that character a little bit more uh, meaningful. Though in, in a, though in reality, they're both prologues, since there can't be a prequel because it's coming out before the, if it came out now, it would be a prequel. But that's another thing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what they call it. I know, I know. I thought they see. I thought when they called the prologue, I said, "Oh, they finally got their name right." And I see they're still calling the other than the the, the the a prequel, which really whatever. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the epilogue of this uh, <laughs> for this uh, uh, podcast. Oh, we didn't have the typewriter. <laughs> Come on, then. We need the typewriter. All right. Okay. We'll get you. We'll get you the typewriter, which um, is here. Thank you. You're welcome. I like. It, <laughs> it couldn't be a new segment without it. That's all it took. All right. So uh, before we go any further, then into our review, this is a reminder here of you get you, you got it. Spoilers. Spoilers again. Spoilers. 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 
Yeah, it's, it's all about car accessories, the, the fins that you put oh, in the back is. of your car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if Why don't we have air jams? <laughs> next time. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, that will be the theme next time. So uh, just a reminder. Or maybe time jams. They, they, that too. Pinstripes. Remember, pinstripes. Uh, all right. So if you haven't seen the first two episodes um, of this series, which is The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's um, Familiar, uh, we will be talking about it and we will not be holding back. So if you haven't seen them and don't want to be spoiled, you might want to hold on to this podcast in your back pocket or front pocket or any pocket, whatever, and just play it when you have seen it. So, um, so yeah. All right. Cool? We're cool. All right. So let's start our review, and we'll start it with a little clip from the episode. straight ahead of you, about 50 feet. Can you see me? The device in your hand is creating an acoustic corridor so that we can talk. Do you understand? Who are you? Oh, I'm just a passerby. I was looking for a bookshop. How do you think I'm doing? This isn't a bookshop. No, this is a war. A very old one going by the mix of technology. Which war is this? I get them all modeled up. Just the war. Where am I? What planet is this? I don't understand. Oh, well, neither do I. I try never to understand. It's called an open mind. Now, you have got to make a choice. Choice? Yes, you have got to decide that you're going to live. Survival is just a choice. Choose it now. If I move, they'll get me. I told you, you have one chance in a thousand. But one is all you ever need. What's your name? Come on! Faith in the future! Introduce yourself. Tell me the name of the boy who isn't going to die today. Davros. My name is Davros. Hello? Are you still there? Please, you've got to help me. You said I could survive. You said you'd help me. Well, that was a powerful open uh, opening tease to the story, if um, and especially one that might hit home for longtime fans that would w- appreciate the name and, and new people that may not know the name. But I think the music cues in that clip really kind of fills you in that um, you know if you're unfamiliar with the name, that this is someone of you know someone that the doctor's familiar with, you know. So um, very interesting, yeah. I, I, th- I think that yeah. really set the tone for the rest what was going to come forward after that. Yeah, if ever you wanted to watch Doctor Who spoiler-free, not knowing that that was going to be Davros was was crucial, I think, for well, the impact. Yeah, I, I was very pleased and fortunate that um, I came into this story completely um, without any for the most part, without any spoilers. You know, I, I knew certain people were going to be in it. 
Um, th- there was one thing I saw, an image that I did see on Facebook of, um, you know, the fourth doctor uh, seen there, but it, it didn't give too much away. It just, um, but it, and it could have been just, I wrote it rough as maybe someone just creating a meme or something like that. And, um, I didn't really put to, I didn't really think of it that it was an actual, you know, um, clip, not a clip, but like a, a screen grab from the episode. So, um, yeah, so, I had heard. Go ahead, I had sorry. heard before I had seen the uh, premiere in New York that uh, Davros was going to be in it, so I had that little spoiler oh, already. Yeah. So unfortunately, it wasn't the shock that it was yeah. for people who weren't spoiled. Right. But yeah, I, I totally expected to see him at the season finale, not so so soon. So I think. From that perspective, you just went totally right into it. That I really liked. Yeah, I had a good advantage that my um, my schedule and uh, um, had been very busy, and um, you know a lot of new things going on uh, in my life outside of Doctor Who. So it was just um, I, I just just didn't have time to stay on top of it all. So it worked out very well for me because I went into this with a complete clean slate, and I think that really. I, I had no preconceived um, notions of what was going to come, so I had, you know, I had no expectations, so, and I think that really helped me, um, you know, enjoy the episode. You know, I, I, everything was fresh. I think you needed to know one thing, and I say this because uh, Perry, uh, uh, one of our uh, listeners, that um, yeah, he didn't even know it was a two-parter. I think you needed to know that this was uh, the first of a two-parter, and in actual fact, it seems that most of the stories, there's 12 episodes, of course, in Series 9, um, and although they're not all classed as two-parters, they, they seem to be mostly linked. Um, um, yeah, and I, I think, think nine and ten might be the only pair that's not a two-parter. Right, thanks, Carlos. Hmm. But um, talking about the that initial impact of Davros, I'd like Lee to come in here because he had a, a very similar thought that I did of where we were in that opening scene. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. You and I both thought that this was war games. Yeah, um, yeah, because well, and, uh, it starts off with biplanes shooting lasers, and you know it was a mismatch of technology. Oh, no, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the anachronisms. Of, okay, where are we? <laughs> yeah, it's got a point. Having yeah. seen Genesis of the Daleks the next morning after seeing the BBC America broadcast, they really did a good job of evoking what that their initial scene of of Scaro in Genesis looked like with the fog and and mm-hmm. the, uh, the battles, just a different phase of that conflict. That's right. Because by the time you get to Genesis, that's much later, where you have an older Davros already, not a child Davros. So it kind of devolved into just trench warfare between two domes. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This this ninety minutes of these two episodes have given us so much new backstory on the dialogues. It's it's kind of amazing how much stuff we <laughs> is crammed into these. I know we'll get to all these things in turn, I suppose, but uh, it's without rewriting it though. Uh, that's right. It's, it's, it's another layer up. on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I guess the only rewriting is, you know, the doctor meeting Davros as a young child and him remembering, but not remembering all the other past stories we've seen. But then again, it's a different doctor. But, I, you know. Well, the right. thing is, we have seen the Daleks use the word mercy before. So right. We have, indeed. So yeah. it's something that is in the weave of the of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, now it's focused on. Right. Uh, the, uh, the Big Bang. And more to the point, this, well, this tells us how that got into their DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, just this is my favorite idea in the show, yeah. Just. Before we go any forward, because we, we, we usually start with this at the beginning of the review, just to remind everyone that this is uh, written by Stephen Moffat and directed by he- Hetty McDonald, who has uh, directed in the last series, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's um, we have, as I said at the top, Peter... Capaldi returning as the 12th Doctor, Jenna Coleman returning as Clara Oswald, and we have Michelle Gomez coming back um, as Missy, a.k.a. the Master, and Julian Bleach returns um, as the role of Davros, the adult Davros, and um, and we had just mentioned um, the young Davros is, um, we have a young actor, um, just, who's the young actor that's playing, he was... Um, Anyone remember what his name? I can't. Yeah, I noted it, but didn't. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll get back to um. Maybe uh, Joey Price. Is it Joey Price? They they just have him listed. Yes. Okay. We're obviously prepared for this podcast. Yes, as as always. <laughs> yes, Joey Price. That's correct. Very All good. right, and then returning also is Gemma Redgrave as um, Kate Stewart. Um, you know as um. Taken uh, uh, his her, you know Kate Stewart, who's been yes, yes but uh, um, taking the role from her father, Alistair Leth- Lethbridge Stewart. Kate Stewart, yeah, well, practically a cameo, really. She's just yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that's uh, you know I knew I think that was really re- was revealed that she was going to be in this story if i recall correctly so i, I think going into it we knew that she and at least uh, that i knew that she and michelle gomez were going to be in it and um so that's really as much as i knew i mean i knew it might it was somehow it was going to involve unit in some respect there was like some sort of initial photo that was released like months ago um, you know, I think it might even been after the, you know, shortly after the holidays in January or February, or, or, or you know, whenever they started shooting, there was some sort of vague photo, not of any of the actors, but just a set piece. But speaking of set pieces, it was great seeing, um, you know, we're, we're back on Scaro here and um, with the Dalek City and and seeing, you know. The recreation of those uh, sets of the Daleks, you know, those corridors and everything that we, you know, remember from those old black and white, you know, Hartnell series. It was great seeing all that. Oh, and also don't forget the Shadow Proclamation, too. Yes, yeah. Well, we've... And Karn, and it was... It it was very epic, you know, the... You know, we've... The Maldivarium. Yes, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were very short, very 
only on screen for a few seconds, Carl, uh, the date in history they went to. Um, it was 11, 11 what was 38, it? which is interesting. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it's uh, that was a, a, that number has, if you're a Star Wars fan, has some significance. It was um, THX 1138 was George Lucas's first film. And then um, subsequently after that, it appeared in several of his films after that. So it was like a license plate in... Um, in um, um, American Graffiti, American Graffiti thank you. Yeah. And then, um, and then it was in Star Wars: A New Hope, and um, it, it appeared in several, in, in most of his films after that, in some form, like hidden somewhere. You know, I think in Star Wars it was Cell Block One. I'm not sure if it was one, Cell one, Block One One Three Eight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that the last time we saw the Shadow Proclamation would have been uh, the two-parter, the Stolen Earth, and. Um, Journeys in, so which had, of course, Davros. Yeah, so it's been a while, really. That that um, you know that it's. it's Plus, the English defeated the Scots at Calton Moor Banners. Eleven thirty-eight. Yeah. I like that at Shadow Proclamation, we got the budget Jadoon there. Yeah, the, the way to oh, keep yes, cost yeah. down that is keep his helmet on. Keep yeah. the helmet on. I noticed that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can do that with Centaurans, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, oh. but speaking of reusing, um, you know, past stuff, it was great seeing the mixture of Daleks that were that we saw. You know, so it you know it wasn't just one style of Dalek that we got to see different styles of Daleks, and you know, which I kind of like. You know, instead of being so uniformed with. You know, and well, every, we saw right. we always saw almost all the Daleks except for the Skittle Daleks, the ones that were mm-hmm. introduced a few years ago that were then swept <laughs> under the rug. <laughs> <laughs> we even get to see the special weapons Dalek for a minute. Yes, right? yeah. Well, it's it's in the background in quite a few shots. So. Okay. Yeah. Because I was looking for him after I saw it the first time. I then looked more closely on subsequent viewings. What when they're like destroying about? the TARDIS, he's on the uh, left side of the TARDIS. Okay. Right. Yeah, I assume, assume these are all survivor Daleks. But um, going back to the very first scene again, I mean, uh, these hand mines was a rather neat idea, I thought. Um, rather novel and quite scary, really, because um, uh, there was quite a, a fear factor involved in in that. Um, and, it, uh, and it was quite uh, a good pre-credits opening scene, as we said, because we're jumping quite substantially around the plot yeah, here. Yeah, we are. Uh, and, and also uh, tipping into episode two now and again here and there on the remarks. It's okay. I, I think we can kind of, you know, review both at the same time. Yeah, I didn't know if we were trying to take this chronologically or what. But yeah, I think wherever we go is fine. Yeah. I don't think it... I mean, I, as I said, we're, we're assuming everyone that's listening have seen has seen them both... Um, I, I've only got it because uh, time-wise, I only got to see uh, the Witcher's uh, familiar once so far. So I, I but I yeah. did see it this morning, and so it, um, it's sort of fresh in my mind. Well, well, then not doing it chronologically, but going from that scene, it was nice to see Clara, you know, back at school teaching. She notices the the, the planes stand still draws a little circle on the window just to, to confirm whether it's moving or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's really into sort of uh, uh, 
uh, I think Leo like this. She's into sort of Avengers, uh, you know, mode there, isn't she? Diana Rig mode, jumping on the motorbike. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I like the little throwaway line about Jane Austen. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. We, we debated that on a. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Not because of her. Not because of Clara. But the, in Jane Austen's time, I mean, they barely peck people on the cheeks. Never mind uh, all of sundry strangers and different sexes. Uh, I felt it was a bit inappropriate. Not inappropriate. Certainly in the classroom, I suppose, inappropriate. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it crosses the line, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, like I said on Coldham, I liked it because that sounded like the, exactly the kind of thing the doctor would say, and it, it's kind of reminding us that in many ways she is she is the doctor. She's his best student at learning to sort of do things the way he does them, and yeah. that's what I liked about it. But. Oh, she comes off very doctor and very. I mean, she's you know we'll send a helicopter to you, think it through, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's that? Well, that's work? kind right. of something yeah. that was alluded to in the previous series, as far as. Clara's kind of bored with her Earth life and needs the adventure. And it seems like this series you have Clara just going all out, uh, going with the flow instead of being held back by her ties to Earth. That's kind of what it seems like from yeah. just this start. Yeah, yeah it's enjoying it. She proved she yeah. could be the doctor, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I did feel as though uh, Kate Stewart uh, suffered from that because um, when when she goes to the headquarters, she basically takes over where where we I think of Kate Stewart as quite a, a demonstrative character. I mean the the the, the scene uh, with the Cybermen from last season where she comes up and takes control of the, the uh, situation uh, very powerfully, you know. Uh, with the with the uh, with the Cyberman head, and you know this is what happened to the last lot that came, and uh, and yet here she's sort of oh oh we better call the doctor, and uh, and it's Clara that uh, says well look come on let's assess the situation what's this? they're not doing anything why why are they giving us warning they're trying to get our attention she's doing all this uh, as Lee said all the doctorish things in that scene. Well, speaking of the doctor, we see Missy is back um, with Michelle Gomez, and this is one of the stories where that that I always enjoy in the past when the doctor and the master sort of have this unholy alliance and they team up. And um, even though the doctor and her they were separated at first, they, she was sort of working, um, you know, in in favor of the doctor, and um, so I, I just. It's that uneasy alliance, you know, that that um, you don't know, untrustworthy alliance, you know, that, that that's, and she's not good as she demonstrated <laughs> with when she meets up with Clara. And, and we've seen this in the Roger Delgado. Yes, yeah, that, and I always enjoyed those. With yeah, John Pertwee, where there would come a time where the master gets in over his head, and then. He and the doctor have to team up to to save each other. So I, I think it was um, most recently reviewed uh, by by us. We had, um, I guess, I don't know if it was the beginning of the year, or whatever. We did. What was it? Last year? everything blends in. Uh, we did the Sea Devils review, and I, I think that was a time where they they were sort of had to uh, work together. Right. 
Yeah, I, I love Roger Delgado's master, and I've been yeah. disappointed in every master since. And 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 uh, uh, anecdotally, we hear that Michelle was a big fan also, and I, I think you can see it. And mm-hmm. I, I yeah. just I, this this is Roger Delgado's master, just being played by Michelle Gomez, and I think it's wonderful. It just well, just, it's Roger Delgado's master, but the writing kind of turns it up on the insanity dial. Yeah, a little a bit, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not, too, but, but not, not, not in that not in that totally out of control way that uh, yeah. that we had seen in John Sim. I, I was just going to say that. I, I didn't yes. care for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't you know. Because uh, no, as a writer, I always think that um, insanity is is the the quickest cop out to creating a villain, and I don't like it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do it, and I don't like it. It's well, the thing is to to write somebody. That is insane. You can't have them claiming that they're insane. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Step one. Because <laughs> that kind of uh, bursts the uh, the suspension of disbelief bubble. Reset. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, I, I, I like it. I am a lot more interested in this master, the Missy, who, who knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I enjoyed about Roger uh, Delgado. You could always know that he was. Uh, this was like a mastermind at work. Um, you know, he, he may be you know bonkers, but he you know it. Uh, he's very intelligent and cunning and crafty, and I think Michelle Gomez encompasses that in her portrayal of Missy. Mm-hmm. And you guys know me well enough by now to know that I go back and listen to old episodes or new episodes over and over and over. I will tell you, I listen to Missy's uh, scenes 10 times more than I listen to Capaldi's. I mean, uh, from the from the first uh, episode that we had, because they were brilliant. Some of the things that she said, I mean, the the one liners, I mean. Absolutely love them. The, my favorite one was the comment that she made about, you see the old uh, couple over there? You're the puppy. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Even though I knew that was coming, it still was enjoyable. But I, I knew that I knew where she was going. And, 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 and the scene with her poking Davros's uh, eye. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. But she'd already said she'd scratch his eyes out, and I thought, "Wow, I yeah. want people to say that about." <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, was the point of the stick at the beginning of part two. But yeah, and, and right. And when we first see her, she, Missy's back without any explanation of you know how she's back, and uh, which is traditional when it comes to the master. Mm-hmm. Yep, but that, that. Is, that that is clarified in part two. Plus, this story basically yes. gives yeah. us a lot of insight into the dynamic between the master and the doctor in that despite how much the master plans plots or now Missy comes up with a plan as a backup to get out of Dodge, the doctor figures out how to get out of a tight situation by winging it while the master has to plan every move out beforehand. Yeah. And that's like the real big difference between the two characters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the jealousy of the master, or now Missy, of the mm. doctor plays in right now. 
Yeah, that's why you sometimes think that the, the name Master almost should be uh, sh- a shortened version of Puppet Master because uh, going all the way back to plastic chairs and daffodils, they like to get other people to do their bidding, as it were. Yeah. And um, so uh, I do like that. The Vortex Manipulator makes a comeback in this uh, storyline as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Just enough to get blown away. <laughs> Right. Indeed, indeed. But it serves its purpose, and uh, uh, I'm assuming that Missy uh, w- has assumed that Clara would be wearing it as her escape route because then she makes use of it uh, for them to actually, of course, uh, be moved. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, another new character that, that makes a very uh, important... Oh, the, you're talking and, about and, the colonies... Colony Sarge? Yeah, I, th- I think mm. at this point that ne- that character needs referencing. It's good how they they hid all their capabilities from the beginning and well, you see them floating. Yeah, Lots yeah. Of these escape so, but, rollerblading for a start. And, and then what's interesting is then when I watched it the second time, I saw how snake-like he was before it was revealed. You know what he was made of. You know, so it was just interesting how he glided through different scenes and. You know, you didn't see him actually walking. You know, when someone walks, there's a no. there's a swanker, a rock with the you know of the of the body, whatever, yeah. and he just glided in. You know, he was robed and all that, and just like little things that I you may believe, have not noticed on the first viewing. It's interesting to see on the second. I I'm believe sorry. one of I believe one of the Doctor Who extras had the actor discussing how he did the uh, the motions, and oh. he was talking about how he practiced with uh, one of these uh, devices, kind of like the analog of a skateboard, but it instead of being uh, in the direction of motion, you have your two feet side by side, and you kind of mm-hmm. move yeah. your Sort of like a segue? I've seen this. I see this like segues yeah. without the post, where it's just like, the, it's right. like a yeah. sideways skateboard. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Yeah. So he was practicing this in one park someplace, and some teenagers would ask him what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not being able to brag as well. That was an intense. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's for a TV show, and I can't tell you which Do you one think you're cool doing? on that? Well, if you only knew. If only knew how cool this is. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, this, this was one episode that was really fun to see in the theater with a lot of people and feeling the energy in the room of how everybody was enjoying mm-hmm. the, the story it, and just being there. It did have there. a theatrical sense to it. It, it felt epic. It, it did yes. feel mm-hmm. like a, a movie, um, you know... Um, I, I enjoyed. But speaking of um, Colony Sarf, Sarf. Um, so Sarf. Yeah, yeah, we see him go into a cantina. And I don't know. Again, with eleven thirty-eight, I don't know if there's a That's reference. The Maldivarium is uh, where. Uh... But it's. I think there was some influence there of the Star Wars cantina there, which I I sort of just yeah. enjoyed as a nod, you know, sort of a, you know, a. Um, yeah, the legend yeah. on the screen said it was the Maldivarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it certainly looked like the cantina from Star Wars. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think deliberately. And he sort of reminded me of Bib Fortuna, sort of uh, Jabba's, you know, go-to... Um, oh, right. Uh, 
mm-hmm. major Dumbo thing, whatever. Okay. Well, a lot of people have been uh, referring to the scene with uh, Davros wanting to see the sun with his own eyes. Did yes, he, uh, yes, and that was echoing Darth Anakin, Vader. Yeah, uh, and, and Luke, yeah. For once, let me look upon you with my own eyes. That that right. right. Yeah, I, I I caught that too. That's a good. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Plus, for the Colony Sarf reveal, how many people thought the Mara is back? Well, I thought of the Mara too. I I, <laughs> I did indeed. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think I was say the I, I didn't think the snakes were done that well in. In the first one, I thought they were done much better in the second one. I mean, that the large snake that loomed up, uh, that was you know going to command the doctor to come, and then Missy and Clara said, "We're coming too," and you see the large centrals there. I didn't think that was well done, but it certainly was done better as the series progressed. But it was nice how they reveal more and more of that. Uh, To me, there's a there's a, like an elephant in the room about the, this two-parter that I really wanted us to, I really wanted to hear what other people thought about that. We, we've now got a question, I think, of what a Dalek is, don't we? I mean, Missy yeah. took the Dalek, what I think of as a Dalek, out of its armor, and then once Clara is inside it, it the armor yeah. behaves like a Dalek. Yeah, that that was sort of so, that that does, was sort of new. The, the travel machine has software, and if you watch Genesis, Davros gives it automatic control, or he controls the travel machines. That's so right. There That's, is software. Yeah. So yeah. Stephen Moffat had done his homework when he wrote the script as far as reviewing what had gone beforehand, and... It's the software that the Dalek is filtered through, and that's what we see as the end result. That, that's great, Tart. Yeah, I, I, I haven't we, watched Genesis in a long, long time, but we, and, I remember that and, now, and, yeah. and that's why BBC America, I think, Was brilliantly it. had it on yeah. uh, the Sunday after the first episode. All right, and let me play devil's advocate here. Um, now, on that same thought process there with Clara and the Dalek and we and of course it could be explained that the software had been upgraded for when uh, he met the other version of Clara uh, Os, you know the what, what was it Oswin that was Oswin in the Oswin Dalek Oswin. Oh, she yeah. had yeah. no problem speaking uh, yes the play girl she had no problem speaking whatever she wanted to speak uh, as as the Dalek voice, not just a set number of vocabulary. Yeah, well, yeah, she was typing what she was saying. She well, wasn't saying it. We could also go back to the. Yeah, Hart- and, and you could go back to Hartnell, where, particular- where where they were where they went to Dalek shells as well in in the old Hartnell series. Yeah, and we could we can uh, we we got to hear what what they were saying and we understood them. But so it is a new idea, but I, I like it an awful lot. I I like the <laughs> I like uh, the master's quip that uh, uh, exterminate is how they reload. You know, that's why they're uh, saying that, it all the time. That's <laughs> they're pumping it up. Mm. In that Parliament of Daleks, they also made it uh, went at great pains to point out there were lots of different 
you know, alliterations of Daleks. With, and, right. and so it does, they do evolve, don't they? And there's been different Absolutely, fractions. Yeah. And there have been the ones that have been made from Davos's own cells and so right. on and so forth. Yeah. The human Daleks, you know, where they were being made from humans. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, the, the very end where you have the, uh, the sewers revolting, getting back to our tagline at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode, the, uh, that really sort of evoked the final scene from Evil of the Daleks, where you had the Dalek Civil War, the Daleks fighting each other, where you had those with the human factor subverting a good enough number of Daleks, and they're all fighting inside the uh, chamber where the Emperor Dalek is. Mm-hmm. So that kind of was the first thing I thought of when I had seen that scene. It's like, this is straight out of evil. Yeah. It's an evil thing. Evil of Dalek. It is straight out of evil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I need to go back and watch uh, Genesis again. Definitely, I, um, I, I've, I've always thought that uh, Davros is Terry Nation's greatest uh, contribution to the series, and not the Daleks themselves. But I mm-hmm. just am still uh, marveling at the the genius of explaining without really indicating it on screen. It's really not, I don't think, a point in the script. But why are the Daleks the way they are? And then we meet their creator, and you say, okay, he made them in his own image. That's of course he did. <laughs> of course he made these one-eyed, one-armed things that glide around in a chair, of course, because that makes sense to him. That's, that, that's beautiful. I just think that's great <laughs> storytelling. Um, what what do we think about, what do we think about the, the, the sort of visual trick of where they feel as though, uh, because obviously the, there's the big reveal of Scaro itself, uh, but we originally see them going in this spaceship um, towards what looks to be, um, uh, well, the doctor believes it to be a hospital ship or station of some sort. Mm -hmm. I thought, I mean, it it was integral to the story in as much as, you know, as far as Scaro was hidden from from view and everybody thought it was destroyed, so it made that reveal great. But I also think it was done for the the visual effect of... Uh, uh, Yeah, so you could have that little poster of uh, Missy walking out in space. Yeah, it's lovely. But yeah, now Davros knows that Gallifrey is also still out right. there. Right, that's what so I was the time thinking. war is back on. You think? <laughs> is that is that what all this adds up to? It's hard to tell what what since uh, Gallifrey is still hidden someplace. He just knows that it's not dead. Yeah. yeah. And Master, uh, Master and Davros both know it. Yeah. Right. That's right. Because the Daleks did know that, well, that at least the Time Lords were out there. Now, whether or not where it is, they did not know. But remember, in Time and the Doctor, you know, that was one of the things of the Time Lords will never return. So they do know they're out there, just not where. Mm-hmm. Now, there was one scene in this story that I thought kind of was a little bit undoctorish, though it kind of fits in with the way... Stephen Moffat writes Doctor Who now, and that was uh, the Doctor having a dying Davros get out of his chair, which kind of doesn't ring. 
In other words, um, taking them out of the chair and just leaving them on the floor. And, yeah, yeah. And and also when we do see him on the screen, it looks like he's sitting upright. And then the next time we see him, he's still back on the floor. So I don't know if I just need. I haven't only saw it once, so I need to kind of watch it again. Yeah, I was a little confused about that too, but yeah. Well, you don't it, know whether the colony sounds, is holding him up. Yeah, I don't know whether that may have oh, been true. something that was originally written for Missy, but. They just figured that they wouldn't be able to pull that off or it just didn't fit into the narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, he needs that chair. And he procured the only other chair on Gallifrey for the doctor. Yes. Right. You <laughs> mean Scarrow. There's only two. I, on Scarrow, I meant, I meant, yes, Scarrow. Right. Yeah. Now, was that Nider's old chair? Yeah, I was thinking that. I, so. I was thinking that too. I'm yeah. like, what happened to all the chairs with, uh, with the humans? I mean, you know, humanoid forms, uh, the right. collids. And... Well, the collids were destroyed. But their chairs remain. The <laughs> That's right. It's a museum. Missiles. He's got, he's got Nider's old chair because. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do feel as though these two, two, this two party was a bit uneven. I didn't. I thought there was a little bit too much humor in the first one. I mean, I realized after, I mean, I didn't like the doctor playing the guitar on the tank. And oh, I know no, other I people didn't. Did, uh, but other people did. Uh, but I realized that was, he had to do something anachronistic uh, because that was the way that they found him was the fact that it was in a, uh, the events. That was how they narrowed it down. But to me, it was a little bit too uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure in those scenes, I don't know whether you anybody else thought that. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. I did. I did not like that. I, I didn't have a. I didn't have a problem with it. I just, you know, he could have just. He could have been playing a sax or whatever. It's just another instrument. I mean, it's. Just, but it's interesting because Peter Capaldi used to play in a band, in a, in a um, a rock band. You know, with Craig Ferguson. Yes. Indeed. With yeah. yeah. So I, I think it was an opportunity okay. to show his. Uh, his uh, his his uh, talent there. Yeah, I didn't catch ten... until hearing it the second time that it's actually the Doctor Who theme that he's playing. Um, uh, really? Yeah, I, I had to watch I, it twice. Again. I need to go back and yeah. listen again now. It's 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 the uh, it's the Master's heartbeat. You know that that rhythm uh-huh. from the wow. From the very beginning, da 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 da. So yeah. It was in the Who says. Uh, Kevin Austin text. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, and, you know, calling <laughs> yeah. a dude. Everybody call me dude and so on. Right. Um, oh, I do um, like the joke that he's bought a tank for his fish, though. Yeah. <laughs> he bought it online. Come on, these he are going to be great in a few hundred years. Get, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be back shortly with more Doctor Who Pachak Live. Listening to Doctor Who Podshock. This is Colin Baker. And we're taking a break from the live show to remind you about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, every genre, thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction, and a whole lot more. Now, Audible titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, and more than over, well, more than 500 devices for listening 
anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you, speaking of this podcast, for you, for listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audio, a free audio book download with a free 30-day trial to give you a chance to check them out and check out their service. To download your free audiobook, you can do it today. Simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you decide it's not for you, you can cancel and keep the audiobook. It's yours free. No strings attached. Well, you could attach some strings if you like, if it makes you happy, but it doesn't come with any. So, um, as always, we like to possibly make a recommendation on what your free audiobook could be, but you could choose whatever you like. But this is just a suggestion. Since we are reviewing um, episodes one and two in this live broadcast, well, now it's recorded, but it was recorded live. Um, and it did feature Davros. It featured Davros' first meeting of the Doctor. So let's, why not recommend a title which has, which features the Doctor's first meeting with Davros? Because now we know they're not one and the same. <laughs> Davros met the Doctor before the Doctor met Davros. Well, yeah, depends on whose timeline you're looking at, but yes. So um, originally it was uh, the fourth Doctor first encountered Davros in a... Uh, um, a um, early 70, well, I think it was, was it 1975, if I'm not mistaken, story? Genesis of the Daleks. So uh, why not recommend, where well, there is no why not. We are going to recommend Genesis of the Daleks, which is um, available on, Audu on Audible. And they paired it with another story, perhaps, that you're not familiar with, called Exploration Earth. Now, Exploration Earth is, um, well, it's a broadcast that was done in 1976. It was a third of four installments in the BBC radio program, a BBC schools radio program. And it features the TARDIS that uh, traveling back 4,500 years into the Earth's past. And the Doctor and Sarah witnessed the very beginnings of the planet, which, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think um, the description here is off a bit because I, they would have to travel a lot more than 4,500 years to witness the beginnings of the planet. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's what the text says here. So uh, the ship takes them back, takes them forward into uh, different stages of the planet's development, and they encounter Megron, Lord of Chaos. And Earth is under his control, and he intends for chaos to reign evermore. So there's that, but then there's Genesis of the Daleks, a classic story where the Doctor first encounters... Well, yes, the Doctor first encounters Davros. Now, as we, as we learned in this story, Davros has encountered the Doctor before, but not in the Doctor's timeline. So, uh, yes, so the Doctor is uh, sent on a mission to Scarrow, and uh, where he first encounters the crippled scientist Davros. And, uh, well, and the, the story plays out from there. This is, um, this is Tom Baker doing the narration. It was uh, specially edited. It's a specially edited version of Genesis of the Daleks, which was first released as an LP in 19, 1980. Ian Martin, Ian Martin is um, also... In it as well, who plays Harry Sullivan. Michael Wisher is creating the role of Davros. Uh, 
So um, let's hear a little bit from that now. This is by uh, Terry Nation and, um, and Bernard uh, Venables, and it's narrated by Tom Baker and the full cast. Come along. Where are we going? Uh, forward. We made our way very carefully through barbed wire fences and round primitive landmines until we came to the entrance to a trench. It was of the type common to 20th century warfare. Lying there, we saw the lifeless bodies of many soldiers. Even the dead have a part to play. Propped up to make the trenches appear fully manned. A different sort of uniform from that other chap's. Yes. We may have crossed the lines. Same mixture of ancient and modern, that. Yes. That's why I think this war's been going on for a very long time. They probably started out with the most modern equipment, but no longer have the resources. Have to make do. The war of attrition, eh? Only backwards. At this rate, they're going to finish up with bows and arrows. Hmm. Well, it would explain the mixture of equipment. It's locked. It's pretty solid, isn't it? Some kind of service tunnel, I suppose. Let's see where the trench leads. As we snatched gas masks from the dead bodies, soldiers leapt into the trench and attacked us. We were completely outnumbered. This one's alive! Get him inside! There's another one here! Get him inside, quickly! They don't look like Thals. I wonder. There have been rumours recently that the Thals were developing robots. Anyway, stick them on the transporter. I shall put command headquarters with General Raiden. Cut the ammunition and clean your weapons. Leaving Sarah for dead in the trench, our captors, known as Khaleds, transported Harry and me to their headquarters. Mud-stained and bruised, we were dragged before their security commander. A human-like being with thin, cruel features, called Nida. This is yours? Yes. What is its function? Well, it's an etheric beam locator. It's also useful for detecting ion-charged emissions. Oh, really? Mm. It is not of foul manufacture. Well, naturally not. My friend and I are not from your planet. Aliens? Humans? Um, well, I am, anyway. I've heard Davros say there is no intelligent life on other planets. So either he is wrong or you are lying. We are not lying. And Davros is never wrong about anything. Really must be exceptional. Even I am occasionally wrong about some things. Who is this Davros? Our greatest scientist. He's in charge of all research at the bunker. There could be mutos, Nida. Intelligent mutos who've developed a technology. Tell me. Um, what exactly are mutos? Mutos are the scarred relics of ourselves. Monsters created by the chemical weapons used in the first century of this war. They were banished into the wastelands where they live and scavenge like animals. In other words, genetically wounded. We must keep the Khaled race pure. 
Imperfects are rejected. Some of them survive out there. That's a very harsh policy. It's horrible. Your views are not important. General Raven, I'll take these two back to the bunker for interrogation by the special unit. Bring the prisoners. Meanwhile, having found the door in the trench completely barred, Sarah made her way back into the wasteland in search of Harry and me. Stumbling along in the thick fog, she failed to see a shaggy creature looming up behind her. Suddenly, a hand touched her shoulder. She spun round. The being that faced her was a mutant. Beautiful. No deformities. No imperfections. She is a gnome. All gnomes are our enemies. Kill her now for what she's done to our kind. Now, why? Why must we always destroy beauty? Why kill another creature because it is not in our image? Kill her! It is the law. All norms must die. They are our enemies. But if you won't, I will. Oh. Oh. There's a patrol. Pretty close. Let's get away from here. If you move, they'll see you. They're coming this way. I'm going. Come on. Oh, I tell you, they'll see you. Stay where you are. Stay where you are and don't move. Ah, you're mutants. What a waste of good ammunition. There's a couple more of them. If they're not too badly mutated, we won't be able to use them. They still need expendable labor for the rocket loader. Sarah and the Muto Severin were taken away. Their captors were Thals, the deadly enemy of the Khalid people who held Harry and me prisoner. I want these two screened and passed to Ronson for full interrogation. Yes, sir. Prisoner's belongings. Good. Well, now he's got any chance of a cup of tea. What? Or coffee. My friend and I have had a very trying experience. Haven't we had a trying experience, Harry? Very trying, Doctor. Step into the security scan. But no tea. Let me point out to you that you have no rights whatsoever. I have full authority to torture and kill any prisoner who does not comply absolutely with my orders. That is your first and last warning. No tea, Harry. Cleared. Move forward. You. Next. Stand detects power source. Located below Chris's left elbow. Remove object from prisoner's left wrist. Can't have that. <laughs> that could have no possible use as a weapon. It remains with the other confiscated items. Let's not make a fuss, Doctor. The 
time ring is our only hope of getting back to the TARDIS. Recovering it has got to be our number one priority. You understand, Harry? It's vital. Yes, I know it's vital, but we don't want them to know that, do we? The prisoners are to be given into the custody of senior researcher Ronson. Here. Take this with you. Where are you from? It's a long story. Well, tell me. Do you have any inkling of the theory of space dimension correlated to relative time? Dapus wishes all members of the elite scientific corps to assemble in the main laboratory immediately. Our session will have to wait. Davros is coming. Your chief scientist is our supreme commander. When he calls a full meeting like this, he obviously has something of the greatest importance to tell us. Well, I shall be delighted to meet him. Stand up and keep quiet. As silence fell over the room, a door slid open and Davros emerged. A huddled ancient figure seated in a self-powered wheelchair, not unlike the base of a Dalek. From it protruded masses of tubes and wires, all attached to Davros's body. A complete life support system. If I may have your attention. For some time, I have been experimenting with the Mark III project. Details and modifications will be distributed later. However, I am anxious that you should see immediately the remarkable results that I have achieved. And to that end, I have arranged this demonstration. Oh, now I want to hear the whole thing. Well, also heard in that clip was, of course, Elizabeth Sladen, who plays Sarah Jane Smith, um, the late, unfortunately, the late Elizabeth Sladen. Um, I should also say the late Ian Mortner as well. Um, unfortunately, they both have passed. Um, so once again, this could be your free audiobook selection, this or many others. They had over 300 titles of Doctor Who titles alone on Audible. Uh, but they have over 150,000 titles um, in all, and you could choose any as your free audio audiobook selection. Once again, to get your order, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com/podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com/podchock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving and you can't go to that URL right now, or it's just not convenient now, you can always go to our website podchock.net and find links to it there as well. And now, let's get back to our live review into uh, the Doctor's future and Davros's future much uh, later on. It's interesting that we... As we said, because this was a cliffhanger and, you know, I'm, I think it's a good throwback to the original series having, because as we mentioned at the top of the show, that most of the um, stories, most of the episodes in this series is going to be two-parters. So uh, we're going to be 
treated to a lot of cliffhangers i'm imagining so i'm i'm you know enjoying that you know because this you know the this ended with a cliffhanger you know going you know that going into the next one it might be appropriate to play that fifth clip yes then if you want to do that we got so involved sometimes we forget the clips so uh yeah let's um let's play another clip so number five dave I'd jump to number five, because that is what you just talked about. Why have I ever let you live? Compassion, Doctor. It has always been your greatest indulgence. Let this be my final victory. Let me hear you say it just once. Compassion is wrong. brings back that old yeah, uh, fourth doctor question about you know it, it, could you destroy a child that would grow up to be a dictator and that that you know which we actually just you know get to see in this story in this episode yeah the two bookends to that first episode i thought were marvelous and uh, uh, i was so uh, you know, I did have some qualms with this. I'm just wrapping up the first episode in my thoughts. I don't know how you want to do it, but um, yeah, yeah. So with with the provisos that I didn't like, some of the silliness, I, I thought it was a very, very promising uh, first part. Uh, and uh, but I, I had, as some people do, qualms of whether the second episode was going to mess it all up. Uh, you know, uh, jackboot all over history, Doctor Who history, or uh, try and rewrite it or whatever. So I was very very nervous about uh, the second part, but I, I, I do remember thinking this could be a really brilliant two-parter if, if, if you know, if Stephen Moffat can just rein himself in on the odd, uh, on the humour element, not completely get rid of it, but just <laughs> rein it in a little bit. So um, going into, uh, uh, at this point, I'd just like to know what other people felt going into part two after seeing part one. Well, after seeing uh, at the end of part one, if I had to rate them separately, I liked part one a lot more than I liked part two. Uh, part one seemed to me a lot more epic in scale as did part mm-hmm. two. Part yeah. two seemed rushed, rushed to me. So, I, Dave, I agree with you. I just uh, I, I, I look. I loved the humor. I mean, again, I like Missy. I, I actually, I love the character of Missy. I think it's brilliant how uh, Michelle Gomez has done that character. But on the flip side, you know, at, 
the entire ending with the TARDIS coming back together, it just seemed like, okay, let's just tie it up real uh, tidy and move on. As far as the end of the first one, I was left thinking, okay, what are we going to do? You know, are you even going to get out of this uh, with, you know, everything intact, so to speak? Um, But I just didn't feel that at the end of the second yeah, I, I thought the first episode was stronger than... I, I'm not saying that. It could be because I went in the first one completely with a clean slate, and now, you know, the second one, of course, I'm going to have some expectations. So I, I don't know if that played a factor in it, but I did enjoy the first one more so. I, I would, um, you know, if I had to give them individual ratings, I, I probably would give the first a, a five-star, five grown and, and the, the second, you know, either three-and-a-half or four, probably four. Ah, well, I, I mean, on first viewing, I I was only going to give the first one two, two and a half, and that raised up to four after about three or four watchings, because there is an awful lot in it. As said, and you you almost need to watch it with subtitles, uh, have better ears than I do. Um, but the to me, the the second half was just epic. Uh, so my balance is far more skewed towards the second part being better, which I'm hoping we're going to talk about more. I was just wrapping up my thoughts on the first one. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we can um, play a clip from The Witcher's Familiar. The Doctor, then, surrounded, outnumbered, outgunned, and freeze. Nanoseconds to live. Four, I'd say, being generous. Now, my question is this. How... Did he survive? Oh, come on, Clara. You know him. Consider the doctor. Where did he get that teleport thingy? Oh, good, good. He stole one from Android. So, I'm guessing he uses the same energy as the Android weapons, right? Excellent. Not seeing your sandwiches now. Okay, then. He uses the energy wave from the android weapons to recharge the teleport bracelet, and at the exact moment he's supposed to disintegrate, he actually teleports. Hang on, that's how you did it. That's how we escaped the Daleks. I modified the same principles for our vortex manipulators, yes. Blew them off, I'm afraid. Why does the Doctor always survive? Because he's clever. Yes, but there's lots of clever dead people. I love killing clever clogs. They make the best faces. He always knows there's a way to survive. He just has to go and find it. Yes, except this time he made a will and threw himself a goodbye party. Now, if the doctor assumes he's going to die, what happens then? We do. He's trapped at the heart of the Dalek Empire. He's a prisoner of the creatures who hate him most in the universe. Between us and him is everything the deadliest race in all of history can throw at us. We, on the other hand, have a pointy stick. How do we start? We assume we're going to win. Oh, pity, really. I was actually quite peckish. Can I have a stick, too? Make your own stick. (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me a little bit about... uh, um, the Science in the Library, Forest of the Dead, where I don't think anybody could have predicted how part two was going to start after part one ended. And here, what do we do? Uh, Stephen Moffat, uh, where do we start? With, with 
Clara upside down, spinning around, not knowing which way is up, and we're not knowing which way is up. And we think Missy's gone berserk again with this stick. And I believe, as I think Tara's mentioned, you know, basically she was going to uh, poke, you know, Davros's eye out. That was going to be a weapon of choice, uh, which actually seems seems quite appropriate with what uh, happened during the story. Uh, uh, we got some lovely little flashes. You have to be very, very quick in that uh, first scene because we first of all find out how uh, Missy survived from last series. There's a very few frames of her escaping in the graveyard uh, because when Clara says, oh, that's how you did it, I'm thinking that's how how she got her uh, and herself away from the Daleks. But there's a very few frames where they show the graveyard scene before it then also applies to them, you know, being teleported when they were being exterminated. Um, and also the story she's telling... Um, about the Doctor's adventure, we see the fourth Doctor and the first Doctor, uh, as we've already mentioned. But uh, following that clip, it seems best just to recap that. I thought it was a very, very clever opening. Very clever. And we had another uh, reference back to the Doctor's face meaning something, which goes back to Deep Breath, where... Mm -hmm. The doctor asks the uh, vagrant, where have I seen this face before? Pompeii. And he's trying to figure it out. And we have Davros uh, mentioning that he likes this face of the doctor best because it's the most similar to his. So that's an interesting open question, whether they're going to address that later or not, this theories on what the face means to the doctor. Right, and of course, Missy says in that story that um, she didn't know which face was the doctor in her story. She she takes no notice of faces, in 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 contrast to what you said about Davro. Yes, haven't they made a reference? I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, in the past, it's like there have been references that time lords can tell each other, mm -hmm. regardless of yeah. which incarnation they're in. Yeah, but yeah. That right. hasn't always been the case. So it's one of these, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on who's doing the writing type of thing. Lee, did you, did you say whether you preferred episode one, uh, part one to this one or not? No, I, um, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, uh, I'm a little surprised, actually. <laughs> that, uh, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm shocked. Yeah. No, not by that, but but that um, uh, uh, there's so much love for part one over part two. I had exactly the opposite feeling that I, I, I as much as I enjoyed episode one, I was just thrilled by the second part, by by which is, and and, and I know that's because maybe what interests me most about the series is the, is ethical questions at its heart, and so then that's really what which is a uh, familiar was about um, his compassion yes, is a good thing yeah. the tone was different than than the first uh, episode at least from yeah. that standpoint yeah as, as I suppose they, they, they ought to be they were really serving two different purposes but but yeah I, I, I wept at the end I you know and I, I said Tim you Stephen Moffat you got me 
crying, and I always say you can't do it, but there it is. You know, it's, it, compassion is going to be the uh, the undoing of you. It's going to be the end of you, Deborah says. Yeah, and, and you know, guys, uh, reading something, uh, I want to go back to the face just a moment. Uh, reading something uh, from the chat that's going on, uh, or from the text inside the chat, uh, Price Pudding Brain uh, tells us, and this is actually pretty good, the likeness is argumented by the doctor, doctor's sonic sunglasses, uh, which cover his eyes. Once again, gives, yeah. uh, you know, from the not seeing Davros's eyes. Oh. Good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, it really is. That's really, really good. So <laughs> I was also seeing somewhere else I, a, a chat where uh, people were speculating about whether or not we're through with the screwdriver and we're now going to see the sunglasses instead. And um, my first thought is that um, from a marketing point of view, the BBC, I think, is not going to give up selling those toys in favor of selling <laughs> sunglasses. So right. I agree. I'm I all about wearable way. technology these days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, he did have to watch. I don't think that's. What was it? A couple, um, you know, last, was it last series where the where um, that watch that had made him um, um, invisible in the TARDIS? Oh right. Oh, yeah. the only yeah, yeah. ones, yeah. But yeah. here it would be too too limiting for the actor if he has to act as the Doctor behind dark plastics. It would no, just yeah, uh, it. take away too much from his performance. No. No, Peter Capaldi, his eyes are his treasure. He knows that. Oh, <laughs> his eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> we'll stick with the eyebrows. Like the first thing we ever saw of him. Yeah. What did he say? Eyebrows you can open a bottle with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, Bryce Pudding Brain says Sonic Guitar. How about that? Guitars <laughs> yeah. uh, are Sonic, aren't they? I mean, certainly we should praise Peter Capaldi. I think this is one of his best and, and most into the role parts, but uh, Julian Bleach, what do we think about his portrayal of Davros? I think Boy, that's part of like, what I loved about uh, which is uh, familiar so much. It's like, man, as actors, just put the two of them in a room, you know, and I'm happy <laughs> because well, I thought the two of them were both he, just... He's just a I, head speaking. I mean, it's not like he's up moving around and, and he, I mean, he did a great no. job just, uh, you know, and he's holding his head up with one hand and it's just, you know, I, I think he did an excellent job just... Um, trying the character under the mask yeah. and with his voice and I don't know you know I, I think he he does Davros well you know um, more so than I yeah, think and, and the way the way Davros was playing the doctor but the doctor was playing Davros the whole time mm-hmm. was kind of interesting is the resolution mm-hmm. true good point you know when when we're talking about his portrayal of Davros you know, I had watched um, Genesis the week preceding the, um, the Magician's Apprentice coming on, and it, you know, it it says something about Julian Bleach as an actor, and the and the simple fact of it sound it felt like the same Davros. It wasn't like to, for me a different actor playing Davros. It was here's Davros and there's Davros. So I think he did an excellent excellent portrayal. Excellent. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and that's to take nothing away from Michael Wisher or anybody else who's yeah uh, Terry Malloy as well. Up, so, uh, right. So, uh, <laughs> where he's so frequently been reduced to being a head, <laughs> but um, yeah, but a head above. 
Oh, here's a. We'll, we'll go yeah, to no. another clip and then we can talk some more, I guess. That's, okay. Um, any preferences, Dave? Should I just pick one? Um, go for a middle one, 88. Oh, oh, was it? No, uh, no, you go. go All right, we'll do eight. Skip a couple. You know what it is, of Speaking course. Speaking of Oh, yes, it's a hyperspace relay with some kind of a genetic component. I am connected to the life force of every Dalek on this planet. It is what has kept me alive. As their hearts beat, so does mine. Yes, vampiring off your own creations just to eke out your days. I'm surprised that the Daleks allow it. Oh, they have no choice. My Daleks are afflicted with a genetic defect. What defect? Respect. Mercy for their father. Design flaws I was unable to eliminate. And now he sees it. Now he understands. The cables, Doctor, touch them. Imagine to hold in your hand the heartbeat of every Dalek on Scarrow. They send me life. Is it beyond the wit of a time lord to send them death? A little work, and it could be done. Uh, why would you be telling me this? Genocide. <laughs> In a moment. Such slaughter, not in self-defense, not as a simple act of war. Genocide as a choice. Are you ready, Doctor? So many backs a single knife. Are you ready to be a god? And a complete switch around, of course, to hold in your hand um, and uh, to set myself, uh, I'd be a god. I mean, it's a complete role reversal, isn't it, of uh, the Genesis one. You know, Davros created the Daleks, but who created Davros? Which is often asked about gods. That's right. Yeah, both Genesis and this story are about the temptation for the Doctor to wipe out his most evil enemies, the Daleks, and what he does with that. Exactly. Yeah, and Genesis has that 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 uh, hypothetical uh, conversation with, with about the uh, the capsule. Uh, you guys have seen it more recently than I have. Yeah, he, he says if you could, you know, just to, you know, the flick of your fingers would kill everything. And Davros says, Yeah, I would do that. I would <laughs> <laughs> just to know that I could do it. Just yeah. to have that power. To have that power. Yeah. So now he knows the doctor. I am quite capable of handling the technology. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. One thing that's quite interesting is that uh, in both the season finale and in this story, the doctors being offered either an army or being able to wipe out hmm. the Daleks in this case, and 
how he reacts to that in both is quite interesting where it's not how most people would react. It's like if somebody offered you an army, it'd be like, yeah, sure, let's go take over the universe. But that's not how the doctor works. Right. And it's interesting to have the master, to have Missy in on this as well, because I've always thought that the what's interesting about the relationship between the doctor and the master is that they both want the same thing. They want a uni, they want a you know universe that's at peace, but that I think the doctor would like that to happen because of people being becoming vulnerable to each other, and the master would like to have that because his or her boot is on everybody's neck. Exactly. So they could say we both want the same thing. We just want to get there through different methods. Right. But, uh, and a different interpretation. Right, yeah, of, of what that means to be, to have order. Uh, yeah. Another thing that was brought up in this story was uh, why the doctor left Gallifrey in the first place. And yes. there were questions as to, is it because he was bored with the Time Lords, or is there something more to this? And it kind of maybe a hint to maybe an analog to what we had back before when the series was winding down in the classic series, where there was something more to the Doctor than what we had known beforehand. That's right. And this seems to be something similar to that. It's funny. I was just thinking how much Peter Capaldi sounded like uh, Sylvester McCoy in that uh, in that clip just now. <laughs> so, well, they did have uh, a little bit of the uh, unlimited rice pudding speech as mm-hmm. one of the clips in the episode. Yeah, yes. And, and another thing that Missy said, which was a very very quick comment, and it was not a fully formed comment, but it gave me the thought whenever I heard it that perhaps one of the doctor's children and one of perhaps the master's children yeah. knew each other in some shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought I mentioned that on our show. Um, when she has this, um, in the series, she has this dark star uh, brooch or whatever made from this material, which she punches the Dalek with, but she makes the comment that the, the doctor gave that when my daughter and she it trails off at that point. So the only thing I could think was, why would the doctor give her, who, who may have been male at the time, but because mm-hmm. a father can have a daughter as much as a mother can have a daughter. So um, and the only thing I could think of was the fact that um, when my daughter married his son, That's therefore making making Susan their their they're both they're both Susan's grandparents. Uh-huh. Well, and Sarah Jane had one of those uh, uh, dark star matter things, too, so. That was a white point star. Yes, now you're right. I'm, I'm confusing the technology. Grandmother. Oh, grandmother. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to have to jump out of this, but uh, I've, got, I've got another podcast to do tonight. Oh, so. my. Well, thank you, Lee, for uh, for joining us for this. Oh, I, I certainly. Think, and I, 
I, th- I mean, I think we're going to be wrapping up soon anyway. I just want to remind everyone, um, as we say goodbye to Lee, if you want to join in and express your thoughts on this episode, please do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, num- the phone number here is 724-444-7444. Call our ID is 23358. And if you're listening um, via phone and not via talk show, you can just do star 8 to put yourself in the queue. And we would like to hear from you. And Lee, uh, thank you once again for your insight. And as always, um, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. Cheers, Lee. Bye, guys. Cheers. I'll show no mercy. Help me! You can't leave me. You promised. You said I had a chance. sure that any of that matters, friends, enemies. So long as there's mercy. Always mercy. And so we're back in a town called Mercy. Oh, that's another episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. <laughs> I went there. And you know what? That's that's one thing. Just listen to that. That's one thing I like about listening to the show and listening to it without the video. Hearing that just then made me think of the different layers that he's talking about, not just Davros, but he was also in a way talking about Missy as well. Mm. Friends and Emmys, it, it doesn't matter as long as there's mercy. It doesn't really matter. You just show mercy. Well, Which I I'm think not sure. satisfactory. I was just saying, I'm not sure if Missy does or not, unless you say something nice. Yeah, uh, the, but the thing about uh, the, that uh, that ending scene was the fact that it leaves, uh, you know, the basic history of the Daleks intact. Uh, one could assume that, um, obviously timey-wimey and all that, until he's done that deed uh, and that filters back through the generations as the boy grows up into the fact that then Clara can say that word mercy. I mean, it is it, it is a time loop of sorts in that sense. But to me, it that still doesn't change all the things that the Daleks have tried to do uh, in the timeline that's already passed, as it were. So, So to me... Um, although you could say that uh, Stephen Moffat's got his sticky hands on the Dalek history and backstory, he he hasn't left it worse. Uh, and he's threaded, and a very carefully threaded to it, uh, another, another elaborate layer 
but without people saying, you know, Cannon, you can't do this, you know, as, um, as some people say, Cannon's, Cannon's whatever the current writer thinks, but uh, our rights. But I think it was very, very sensible. And, uh, and, and maybe that's why I rate the second part far more strongly than the first part, because the payoff is in that one. And probably the silliness is more uh, the uh, Mrs. role in this particular one. Menace, of course. Uh, but there's some lovely little things as we've already referred to. You know, we need the stone to chuck down here. Whoosh, bushes are off. Um, you know, uh, my friend inside my enemy is like my enemy inside my friend, and some other little things are. I brought the I brought uh, Clara Oswald all uh, wrapped up. In fact, canned up, tinned up. Uh, so to me, this final part was. Was it epic? Uh, some of that was relief that, to me at least, Moffat hadn't messed it up, uh, and the promise of part one had been uh, carried out, and with the exceptional acting of those three main characters, well, four, Clara as well. So f the four main principles, to me, mm -hmm. were all on their A game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they, they did all a splendid job, you know, and... They all, in in some degree or another, fleshed out the characters even more so. And as you said, it was a chance for uh, Peter Capaldi to reestablish himself as the Doctor, and um, and I think these two episodes do that well for him, because he was um, from for much of the time he was separated from Clara. Because I I had said, you know, as of last series, it sometimes it seemed as much as I like Clara, sometimes it seems like they compete for screen time and you didn't really and and um and peter capaldi didn't really have a, a real sense to establish himself as the doctor but i think here he does i don't well, know this, if it's this if, story if it's, doesn't have oh i'm sorry this story no, no, doesn't have this story doesn't have the uh the weight of having to introduce a new doctor like mm -hmm. the early yeah. ones last season yeah. did so you kind of can get have, right into it him just right into the story. Yeah. Now, yeah. My, my my thing on the, uh, you know, with Peter Capaldi, I, I and I, and I'm understanding that this is the second uh, series, and I may change my tune totally by the end of this series. However, having said that, by Matt second, by uh, Tennant second, and I'm, you know, seeing all the old uh, other doctors haven't I'm just not feeling him and whenever I say that if if I, I I judge it based on who would I want to travel with and he is not one that I would not I don't feel like I would want to travel with so I appreciate I, that. I hope that my opinion change you know I hope my opinion changes but there's something of, about him that just isn't clicking with me well he's a bit prickly isn't he I mean he's got a little bit of... I mean, one of the things I would say about the Twelfth Doctor is he seems to be very much an amalgam of all that's gone before, uh, and different traits seem to be pulled out. Um, I mean, I've, I've had times I thought, well, it's obviously very much the Third Doctor uh, coming to the fore here, and then I think, well, actually, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, the First Doctor or the Second Doctor. So I, I think this is probably because... Peter Capaldi is a fan. Now, obviously, he's got to say the words that are written for him, 
But um, I do, I do, fe I do feel as though he's bringing elements of the others in. Should just say there's quite a bit going on in text chat here about um, uh, Symbios saying, uh, "Doesn't the Dalek say mercy when River Song aims a gun at one in the first Matt Smith finale?" Well, of course, as we said, uh, th this is a circle. I mean, the fact that this happened to the young... It's not the Doctor's time. It's not the fact that all these things happened in the Doctor's timeline in his past. It, the important thing is this giving of the idea of mercy happens early on in Davros's timeline. So it's all the way through Tav Davros's timeline, therefore should be all the way through um, the Dalek timeline. Um, and the fact that it's done at the end doesn't mean it wasn't there at the beginning. That sounds right for Doctor Who, doesn't it? And it's kind of why the Daleks can never really kill Davros, though they really want to in certain points throughout the classic series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it goes back and forth between is he in charge, is he not, is he a captive, whatever. So, yeah, I agree. And whether he's a captive or not, Davros always acts like he's in charge. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like a very symbiotic relationship. All right. Any, okay, uh, do we want to, people to uh, give any... Yeah, I was going to say, do the people in text chat want to put a rating in out of five? Uh, I think I'm going down as uh, three and a half to four for part one and a solid five out of five for part two. I'm going to, I'm going to mimic what Lewis said earlier with his ratings. Uh if I were to give both of them an overall, uh, if I were to say as one complete story, probably I would give it a three and a half to four. Right. Uh, we, and for those who don't know, uh, uh, Taras is not keen on giving uh, ratings, so we're just looking to see if there's any in text chat. And uh, Dr. G Gonzo, is it? Uh, four for part one and five for part two but a total score of five. Uh, symbiosis, part two, three out of... Uh, part two, three out of... Oh, sorry. Part one, four and a half out of five. Uh, I love and was fascinated with the ride. Part two, three out of five, a bit less interested. Uh, uh, price, pudding brain, uh, five for one, four for two. And uh, Willis Girl, hi Willis Girl, uh, three and a half for me. I'm assuming that's an overall joint score for the two parts. Back to you, Lewis. Yeah. I, I, for a moment, I thought it said six for two when I was watching The Prisoner. <laughs> oh, there's one more race. One more, <laughs> one more racing come in, Lewis. Which, which one Kevin is that? Oss. Okay. Kevin Oss, five, five for one and three for part two. I am not a number. I am a person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so... Yeah, one thing that I, I enjoyed with this story is that, with the exception of one mention by Missy, we didn't have the relationship between Danny Pink and Clara dragging uh, the story yes. down. Mm -hmm. And that seemed sure. to be a problem with the previous series where... We were the whole point of the finale was to make us think that this couple had something when what we saw on screen didn't really build that up. 
and that kind of is a release where you don't have to deal with that baggage anymore and the doctor and Clara can just go and have their adventures and not worry about the baggage of Danny Pink anymore. Yeah. So it seems that it still may get pulled in. If, yeah, we may if still... comments is a... Yeah. In the future, in the future episodes, we may see more of that. But I, right now, I think Clara was distracted with what current events was going on so that she couldn't really dwell on that loss. Yeah, and I think some time has elapsed as well. I mean, yeah. when uh, Missy, Missy first says to Clara, the doctor's gone missing. He says, well, it does that. I, I had the feeling that, you know, it was a whole new school year. The summer holidays had gone by. She's back teaching. Time had gone on. I'm not saying that she'd forgotten him in any way. And if you remember, Danny Pink gave her that output, uh, out because uh, we know he was much more in love with her than perhaps she was with him. But he said to her, give me two minutes, you know, every Christmas, give me two minutes uh, and get on with your life. So he told her to get on with her life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Do we want to... Was that the dream that told her that? Or, no, this is... uh... But, But nonetheless, it was taken to heart, I think. Hmm. But she acknowledged it was a dream, in it. Um, are we? Do you want to mention what's coming next time? Are we going to wrap up as we are? We, we can do a little preview of, of, of next time. I want another adventure. Monsters, things blowing up. Be careful what you wish for. We are fighting an unknown homicidal force underwater in a nuclear reactor. Every time I think it couldn't get more extraordinary, it surprises me. They can walk through walls. Then they come out at night. It's impossible. I hate it. It's evil. It's astonishing. Who the hell are you? The Doctor. And that very first sentence agrees with what we just said. She wants to go on an adventure now. Mm-hmm. The, 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 so that what Tara said and Kyle and that, it's there in that first sentence. And and just it reminded me of also of another point about these two stories, these two episodes was that even though Earth was involved, it wasn't a completely Earthbound story. It wasn't, you know, we it, it's sort of like it started like going that direction with the planes being frozen in the air and like uh, and they you know if they're going are they going to be used as weapons and then you know as clara said what you know why why not just attack and why you know but it was you know so we had some earth there but it wasn't you know what seems to be so typical in since doctor who came back in, in 2005 was that you know we we earth is the target and the threat and you know and humans are or what's what needs to be saved and that that was the the way that you know they figured the audience can relate to to danger was to you know put earth in jeopardy and so this really you know wasn't about that and it looks like we're continuing with more science fiction next week good 
Yes. So, Lewis, are we going to continue reviewing them as two-parters? Or well, that's a good question. Be... The, um, the 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 uh, monkey wrench in the system is that uh, my schedule's changed up from past year, so I'm not sure. I, next week we won't be doing a live show, but in two weeks we may. I just don't know for sure yet, and we'll have that up on our website. Um, as soon as that's finalized and determined, if not, we, if we can't continue the live shows, we'll do, we'll continue. To, we'll, we'll probably will. If, if I think it might, it might be a good format just to do it, you know, um, since this series is going to be mostly two parters, we could do, uh, what we're doing here and review it. And, um, as two parters, you know, as a whole, like we did with this one, it just, that it may not be live or shows. Or in the case where it's it might two be studio separate, shows. Just do the two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, um, we'll, we'll work it out. Um, you know, and we'll see how it goes or, or we may. Yeah, just time relative. Yeah. Time permitting time. And um, what, and what's the URL people should go to to find out any notice nearer the time? Time waits for the snowman. <laughs> you can find out by going... Is that going... the URL? <laughs> yes. You can go to uh, pachak.net. Uh, that's the same as Uh And to find out when and where and how and who and why, there will be a, a next live show. So, again, pachak.net. And um, they'll be, and if yes, and as well as uh, talkshoe dot com, it should be posted there as well. But we'll, uh, we'll have more information and details about it on um, pachak dot net. And you know, as always, um, we have a uh, Twitter account pot, um, at pachak, and we also are on Facebook and um, um, Google Plus, and where are there other social media? Are we still on CompuServe? We are not. <laughs> no, we just we just CompuServe just celebrated its uh well it was just an anniversary of its um it, it started in 1979 it was just a few days ago it was the anniversary of, of its um, beginnings. Okay, and will there be a poll up on the Gallifreyan Embassy? There is one for there is one right There's now one. for um, the the uh, magician's apprentice, and there will be one up shortly about um, for um, the witch's familiar. Brilliant! It was nice having a Dalek story without Dalek in the title. Yes, but that. Is possibly why the the ratings may have actually been lower because nobody knew the Daleks were in it. That's a good point. You, ratings are viewing figures, yeah. No, because the appreciation index for the first episode was a pretty decent 84. 84. Yeah. And I would expect the next episode is probably going to be at the same, maybe even higher, since there were fewer people watching. So it'll probably only be the ones that really wanted to watch. Right. Got very good uh, press reviews, though. Yes. Yeah, I think overall, so I think we're off to a good start. Yeah, one would expect that the time shifts may be at least two million. They might even come in at close to two and a half to three million, depending on uh, 
how good the word of mouth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And how many times Dave watches uh, the episode in the next few hours. <laughs> well, Dave's going to be on the his third podcast in the next few hours. Oh, well, we're going to wrap things up here. Dave, is my, my uh, talk show live pro client is frozen once again. If, if there's anyone in chat with their final comments, please let me know. No, I think uh, we've uh, the the last ones who went in was Willis Girl. Okay. All right. Well, and that's and all I'm saying. What was that? Uh, no, I was agreeing with Dave. Oh, okay. I was saying that that's all I'm saying as well. Nothing else updated. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Uh, if you like, if you're listening to this after the fact, after the live show, we still welcome your feedback, and you can send it to us as always. Um, we we are an audio podcast, so we we do enjoy audio feedback. But you can also email us as well at feedback at podshock dot net, or you can call the Doctor Who public call box at two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. And as always, I like to remind people to check the website always for that number because sometimes that number changes. Though it's been that number for a while, which means <laughs> probably change soon. So no. Um, so yeah, just if you go to our website podchock.net and click on feedback, there's a top um, menu for that, and um, it will give you the how you can send us feedback. As always, uh, you can even record something on your smartphone. Um, and send it, you know, like a memo, a voice memo, and just email it to feedback at net, Or you can call the public call box. And let Remember us Remember to patch the phone through the TARDIS console. Yes. And reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. With the wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey. <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs> All right. So until next time, everyone, uh, cheers and... Uh, don't lose your sonic screwdriver or glasses, sunglasses or watches or and sonic don't, guitar. And don't forget. And you and me, thing, let's don't make forget, a jam. Don't forget, say something nice. Say something nice. Yeah. Yeah. Show mercy. This is our first live call for a while. <laughs> All right. Cheers, everyone. Blue. Bye-bye. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. This time, they will not abuse me.